You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to The Joe Martino Show. My name is Joe and I am so excited to be your host. Before we get started today, I want to talk to you about a scholarship opportunity for graduate-level students who are seeking a counseling degree that we've started here at the Joe Martino Counseling Network. Uh, It is called the Marissa Stevens Scholarship, after our friend Marissa, who passed away this past April. As many of you know, our dear friend and employee uh, intern, she was kind of a jack-of-all-trades here around the office. Uh, She passed away this past April at the age of 29 with her third bout of cancer in her life. And we want to honor her by helping someone else engage in the counseling process. So if you are a counseling student, if you know someone who is a counseling student, if you know someone who attends Kuiper College, which was Marissa's undergrad, I would encourage you to go to joemartino.com forward slash scholarship and apply uh, for the scholarship. It's $500, $250 each semester. The winner will be chosen solely at the discretion of our office, and terms and conditions are subject to change without prior notice. All the legalese, you got to get in there. Uh, so if you know someone who might benefit from that, please have them apply. We will be taking applications uh, probably till the second or third week of September this year. Next year, we'll, we'll try to get it out of the way a little bit sooner, but we were not able to get it up and going uh, until later this year. So I want to give everyone the opportunity to apply. All right, so I was going to talk about boundaries in this episode. Instead, I'm going to talk about something that you can give your children uh, that will help them be better adjusted adults, will help them be better productive adults, will help them be just overall better people, and you can do it too. It'll help you if you embrace the truth of it. Okay, and here it is. People by nature like to complain, and we don't like change, and we're willing to exchange busy for meaningful. Three parts. By and large, people find it easier to complain than they do support something. By and large, most people don't like change, and we're willing to confuse busy with meaningfulness. And at first, you might be like, well, wait, what do those have to do with each other? I'm glad you asked. Here's what they have to do with each other. We have to teach ourselves and our children to wrestle with deeper things and to check our behaviors coming out of our feelings. Just because we feel something doesn't make it a legitimate behavior. All right, let me set the stage for you. Every fall, we have a community-wide football game to raise awareness for cancer. It's a beautiful thing. In fact, uh, the day that I'm recording this is we're going to have a game tonight. It's called the Pink Arrow Game. And this year, uh, every year they make t-shirts, a lot of of activities. This year, the t-shirts are white with a pink arrow on them. And people are going out of their minds. Like literally people are flipping out. A week and a half ago, I was reading Facebook posts about how it's going to rain and the girls are going to be embarrassed and this is happening and that's happening and it's never going to be the same again because we have a white t-shirt. I'm told this by someone I trust. I didn't actually see this, but I'm told this by someone I trust that people were literally berating the woman who designed the shirts at meet the teacher night. 
Why? Because it's easy to complain and people don't like change. In fact, my daughter and I were talking about it this morning on the way to school. She's like, Dad, I actually like the white shirts. I'm like, yeah, me too. Uh, I'm wearing one right now. And it's different, so people naturally respond to it. We as humans don't like change. I, I think we're made for rhythm. We're made for uh, routine. And that has a lot of wonderful upsides. You know how to get home without putting much thought into it. You can just get in your car at work, turn it on, and drive home. And you don't have to give a lot of thought to it. Uh, it's, it's called stacking. It's actually a really interesting neurological process. But when that process gets interrupted, we tend to become people who complain. And it's easy to complain. Here's the problem. We know scientifically that complaining wires your brain to be more negative. We know that. It's a fact. It's not argued. It's not debated. It's just science. The more you complain, the more likely you are to complain. And the more you complain, the more your brain is wired to be grumpy. Now, here's the thing. It has all sorts of deleterious effects to your body, to your process. It causes your, it causes our processes to slow down. We become less productive. We become less kind. We become less like people that we all say we want to be. And then we start raising children who are complainers. Rather than causing the children to look at it a different way. Right? So, first of all, one of the things you have to embrace is there are things that are going to change. And here's I'm not saying that you can't talk about things that you don't like. You can't go to a boss. You can't go to leadership and be like, hey, I think something should change. But it's the complaining. Go to Facebook. Go to Twitter. Go to whatever your social media is. Talk to your, your person sitting next to you at work. Talk to your neighbor. Complain. Go to the coffee shop and gossip. I almost called it the gossip shop. When we start doing complaining like that, when we start talking about what's wrong without actually trying to process the situation, we wire our brain to go bad. And I think one of the things we have to face is we've killed reason. We took her out back and we shot her. I know that sounds harsh, but it's true. Uh, What we've done is we have made feeling supreme. So if something has changed and I don't like it, we don't have to stop and think and ask ourselves, wait, why don't I like this? Is there anything functionally different to what I don't like? We don't have to stop and ask ourselves, wait, why don't I like this? Is it just because it's different and I might find out that I like it? Or do I dislike it and it doesn't matter? that I dislike it. The hand-wringing from change has been around forever. Right now, the hand-wringing is all about, you know, device dependency and cell phones and the internet and, and, and all of that. And, and 50 years ago, it was about TV. 30 years before that, it was about radio. It's different. Today, this world is different than it was when I was 15, when I was 16. It's different than when you were 18 and 20. That doesn't make it bad. It just makes it different. And so one of the things that we have to do is we have to resurrect reason. And we have to look at it and be like, okay, what's going on in me in this process about this thing that I don't like? Whatever it is. They change your health insurance at work from one company to another. They change how you do a process at work. What does that mean? How do we create 
a society of people that can accept change. We start with ourselves and our families. We don't ignore the fact that we don't like the change. We embrace it. We say things like, I don't like change. We recognize the proclivity to complain. And then we work on changing our mindset, right? So it's easy to complain about a boss when you've never been a boss. It's easy to complain about a person in authority when you've never had to make an authority decision. I talked to a group of teachers last week, and one of the questions I asked them was, would you accept the level of effort that you're giving towards this change initiative in your school district from your students towards something in your classroom? I'll set it up for you. I'm there talking to him, and I said, how many of you make your students do something simply because you're the teacher? And at first, actually, nobody raised their hands. And then about half the room raised their hands. And I was like, okay, I was going to say, because how do you be a teacher, right? How can you manage a room if at some point in the school year, you're not like, hey, I get it, you don't like this, but you have to do it because I'm the teacher. And then I asked them, how many of you would accept the effort from your students that you're giving towards this district-wide change initiative. If you wouldn't, you're a hypocrite. That's hard to hear. Sometimes it's hard to say. Where it comes from is people who have not yet developed the ability to move past the fixation of the change. Because change can be loss. All change is loss and all loss is grief even good change because we're losing something that we're comfortable with and that's painful and that's not wrong. It's when we allow ourselves to sit in that and complain that we're in trouble because what we do is then we start complaining. We start saying things about other people. We talk about how we would do it the whole time, never realizing that there'd be people lining up to complain about us if we were the ones doing it, whatever it is. That's how leadership works. So one of the ways that we process change is we make sure that we understand how leadership works and we understand that to lead is to invite criticism, right? So if if the person above me makes a decision, I can dislike it and at the same time say, but he or she is the leader. That's called acceptance, radical acceptance, brutal acceptance. I don't care what you call it, we need it. The person designing these t-shirts, she had to make a decision. There's only so many shades of pink. There's only so many ways you can design a pink t-shirt. I think we're on year 11 or year 12 of this game. Your boss has to make decisions, often with incomplete information and incomplete resources. Your students' teachers have to make decisions, often with incomplete information and incomplete resources. So when you allow your student to just complain You're allowing them to wire their brain and you're building the muscle memory, the habit of it's okay to complain about somebody above me. And here's the really paradoxical rub about our society. The people who complain the loudest are usually the ones who flip out the most when someone criticizes something that they do. Because it's not about the thing, it's about control. That's the thread between all three of these, by the way. It's about control. Complaining is about control, especially complaining that isn't about any solutions. It's just about control. It's just about making it known that I don't like what's going on. Criticism that isn't directed to the person, but about the person, it's just about control. It's about feeling like you're in control. You're not actually, but it's about feeling like you're in control. It's about trying to take the pain away 
of change. And so what we do when that doesn't work, right? So we complain, we complain more, we criticize more. It's the t-shirts, it's the restaurant, it's my boss, it's my parents. Then we start to anesthetize with busy. Every parent I meet, they're scared to death that they're going to screw up their kids. So what do they do? They just keep them busy. Just be busy all the time. Doesn't matter if what we're doing is meaningful. Just be busy all the time. Again, control. Fake control, but still control. If I can be busy, I don't have to stop and think about the changes in my life. For instance, one of the reasons, things that I hear repeatedly about why people get divorced is he changed, she changed. To which I always ask, well, do you want to be married to a 20-year-old when you're 30 or 40 or 45? Well, no, but I don't like this change. Yeah, but now we're to a real conversation. Why not? What don't you like about this change? Did you not change with them? Did they change for the worst? Maybe that's what relationships are about. Maybe if we killed the busyness, we could actually develop relationships that were grateful and thankful and called each person to be a better version of themselves. You see, the problem with unbridled criticism is it misses it. Now look, I'm not saying that you can't say to somebody, hey, that wasn't good. I don't like how you did that. But it has to be about like moral issues, not preferences. And, and sometimes, depending on the relationship, you can say, that wouldn't be my preference. I wouldn't like to do it that way. But when it's just straight up criticism, I can't believe that they did that. A funny story where I'm going to run the risk of losing half my audience. A few years ago, my wife and I were at dinner with a couple, and they were talking about their new pastor. And I didn't really know this couple at all, so I was like, oh, well, tell me about him. They're like, well, we're not really sure that he's the right man for the job. Oh, okay, do you not like his preaching? No, he preaches fine. Do you not feel that he is, you know, kind? Oh, no, he's very kind. So what's the problem? Well, when he goes out in public, do you know he wears cut-off t-shirts and shorts sometimes? Now, some of you are like, see, that's church people. But the truth is, it isn't just church people. That's everybody. We just all have different things. I suggested that couple. I said, well, maybe that's just a preference of yours. Not actually a moral issue. Maybe it doesn't matter. Right? The first antidote to mindless complaining is to examine what we're complaining about. If it does matter, express it. Do it in a right way. Do it in a kind way. Go to the person and be like, hey, this is happening and I think it needs to change. But if it doesn't matter, what are we doing? The second antidote, and I know this one sounds a little weird, is we need to slow down. We need to get rid of the busy. We actually need to engage in meaningful things more regularly than we currently do. I'm not actually going to be able to spend a lot of time on this concept today. I intend to do an entire podcast about it. Every person I've ever met who doesn't like to just sit still, it's because they don't want to hear the voice in their head. Now, you might be sitting thinking, Joe, that's not true. I don't, I don't like sitting still and I don't care about the voice in my head. That may or may not be true. I don't know. But I'm just telling you my experience. I've met a lot of people who hate being home alone. They hate being just still because they hate the voice that runs in their head. And they don't engage in very many, many meaningful things. They just don't. Now, I, we, we need to still look at the busy part, right? You could engage in a lot of meaningful things and still be too busy. And then you're killing intimacy. You're stealing intimacy. You're destroying intimacy. And here's how this works. It's very difficult to be overly critical of people you're truly intimate with. One of the things that happens in marriage relationships 
is somebody starts complaining about the other person and it becomes incessant nonstop because the only person that we're thinking about when we're complaining is typically us. It exposes our selfishness. Someone once said that we should treat others like we want to be treated. It's called the golden rule. If you were in leadership, do you think you would do things that people would complain about? Would you want them to come to you or to gossip? Live your life based on whatever that answer is. In other words, do you treat the people that you're complaining about the way you would want them to treat you if, they th- if you did something that they didn't like? That's the golden rule. If you start to cultivate that in yourself and your children, you will change your town, you will change your community, you will change our society. Right? So we need to do that. We need to slow down our busyness. And then we need to cultivate a heart of gratefulness and thankfulness. Never in the history of the world have we had so many people with so much, so much opportunity, so much things. And I look, I'm not naive. I know there's suffering out there. I know there's bad things out there. Just last week, I heard about a rapist who got off on a technicality and his victim had to watch him walk out the courthouse, a free person. I, I get it, but we have so much to be thankful for. I'm just going to stick with the theme of the show. The woman who designed these t-shirts, she didn't get paid for it. She volunteered her time. She did it for free. The fact that we have the game, which by the way, I've never been to one, but that we have the game to raise money for a worthy cause. Your student's teacher, and I get it. There are teachers that are not good. There are teachers that are great and there are teachers that are average. But whatever they are, they're putting it on the line for your kid. Your, your child, my child has opportunities because someone went to school, learned how to be a teacher and is teaching my children certain things. That doesn't mean that I abdicate my responsibilities as a parent. It doesn't mean that I don't tell my, te- my, my students, my children, I think your teacher's wrong there. there I, I don't know if I've done that yet this school year, but I've certainly done it other places. I'm like, ah, that to me right there isn't the healthiest expression of what your t- teacher's trying to do. Or I've even said sometimes, flat out, I think your teacher is wrong. When my oldest daughter was in kindergarten, I get to school to pick her up, and the teacher has this look on her face, and my daughter's got this look on her face. I'm like, what's going on? And the teacher says to me, well, we met Mr. B-O-R-I-N-G today. And I was tired. I was working crazy hours at the time. And I was like, B-O-R-I-N-G, I don't think I know him. And then it hit me, oh, Mr. Boring. I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, I asked... Kendra what she thought of this project and she told me she thought it was boring and so I wanted to be a good listener and I said I just want to make sure I understand what you just told me you said that you asked her what she thought she told you and then she got in trouble for telling you is that correct yes okay Kendra you need to go out to the truck she's in kindergarten so I walk her out to the truck I said no that's not gonna work so I walk her back in I sit her down on this bench And I tell the teacher that I think it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of to punish a child for answering a question that you ask them. If you don't want the answers, say, I'm going to ask you a question, but here's the, here's the parameters with which you can answer me. And she just gave me a tisk tisk. I took my daughter when I put her into my truck as I'm buckling her and I said, honey, there are days that you have to obey the people that are in authority over you, even when you think they're wrong. But that doesn't mean you have to change your standard of right and wrong to say they're right. That same teacher told me that she felt it was her job to tear students down and build them back up in the way that they were supposed to be. I disagreed with her on that too. And yet, we have to find ways to be thankful. I have no idea what penetrated that woman's life. Another one of my daughters had a teacher that would yell a lot and she doesn't respond well to yelling. 
And so we talked about it. And I was talking to a friend of mine. He said, you know what's ironic? My daughter had that same teacher years ago and she was so much better. And then her husband got sick and died. Heartbreaking story. I don't have to agree with her that she should yell. In fact, I think it was wrong that she would yell. Now, here's the thing. She didn't yell at my daughter. She'd yell at the kids sitting around my daughter. And still, I can teach my daughter gratefulness and thankfulness. I can teach my daughter to use her brain to seek out things that the teacher does that she appreciates. And at the same time, I can go through all the channels of trying to bring the teacher accountable to not yelling at students. This concept brings me to my last point. As we create a heart of thankfulness, an attitude of thankfulness and gratitude, we have to come to the place where we can agree to disagree. And that's gone in our society. If you don't believe me, go to a coffee shop today and try to talk about politics. And just for fun, pick one side. In fact, go to two coffee shops. At the first one, argue for the Democrat side. At the second one, argue for the Republican side. Go to a third one and then argue for Trump's side. We can't have reasonable discussions in our society anymore about the things we disagree on. And so what happens is we create echo chambers where our complaints echo back to us. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then we complain more. You have to cultivate an ability to agree to disagree, to have tension between you and someone else, to think there's a better way and still do it their way if they're the ones that are in charge. If you're in charge, do it your way. But then you got to have to have tension. Other people are going to tell you they have a better way and you'd be a fool not to listen. That's a whole nother episode. We have to have reasonable conversations because in order to have reasonable conversations, we have to fight how easy it is to complain. We have to embrace change. Uh, I was talking to somebody a couple months ago and he said, you know, he said, the irony to me in life is we know that everything we want comes on the other side of change and yet we resist change like it's a disease, right? And so you have to embrace change. For instance, right now today, I don't know why, but I keep saying right and it's driving me crazy. So I apologize. We have to embrace change. We have to cultivate a position of thankfulness. And then we have to be able to agree to disagree. You have to be able to say, you know what? I would prefer the pink shirts, but thank you for designing the white ones. I would prefer that we did it this way, but I appreciate you making the decision and keeping the responsibility. It's okay. I would vote for... Fill in the candidate. But I'm thankful that you engaged the process. Part of the problem is we've come to the place in our society where anybody who disagrees with us is an idiot. Anybody who wouldn't do it the way I would do it is an idiot. That's foolishness. And we can reverse that by fighting how easy it is to complain. Does your child play sports? Is the coach paid? How often do you complain about the coach to your child? Well, he didn't do this. She didn't do that. I actually, for a hot minute, debated coaching this year. And I wasn't offered the job, but then I was offered a job somewhere else. And I'm so glad that I didn't because I don't want to deal with the complaining. I don't want to deal with the people getting all mad. My son didn't play the minutes he was supposed to play. He didn't play the position he's supposed to play. Just be thankful or go do the job yourself. Seriously. And the minute you do it, understand that other people are going to do to you what you do to them. All right, that's today's show. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. Give us a rating on the iTunes store. And if you have a question for a future show, feel free to send us an email at info at joemartino.com.
You can also go to joemartino.com and click on the Contact Me page. Until next time, remember, change possible.